Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Mighty pleased to have along with us today as a very special guest, Mark Woodward. Mark is the PIO, the Public Information Officer and Spokesman for the Oklahoma Department of Narcotic. And this state agency has taken on a huge role in trying to get uh, our arms around the huge number of grow houses that have come into the state of Oklahoma ostensibly for medical marijuana. But many of these are criminal operations, having no intention of selling marijuana inside the state of Oklahoma, but shipping it around the country, and in some cases, even globally. We've got Mark to talk about the rise of these criminal operations in the state and what's being done to push back on them. We're back with Mark Woodward today on the road to rural prosperity here in just a few moments. I'm Monica Collison, President and CEO of Union Mutual Insurance. Like you, I have lived my life in rural Oklahoma. In fact, my family has farmed and ranched in our great state for over a hundred years. I know firsthand how important it is to protect your farm, ranch, or home with coverage you can count on every day. Union Mutual would be honored to protect your family with the finest insurance coverage you can buy. Call your local Union Mutual agent today or visit us on our website at unionmutualic.com. Glad to have you folks along with us today on another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. This particular topic, though, medical marijuana, the grow houses that have been okayed by State Question 788 a few years ago, uh, is not necessarily all about prosperity in the state. Rather, it's a major criminal challenge to the well-being of rural Oklahoma. Joining us today, Mark Woodward, PIO, spokesman for the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics. Mark, let, let, let's maybe first of all talk a little bit about the role of this agency. What, what, what is this agency really responsible for here in the state of Oklahoma? Well, we were established in 1975 to enforce the Uniform Controlled Dangerous Substances Act, essentially uh, the drug laws in the state of Oklahoma that were created in response to a tremendous um, rise in, in overdoses, death, and drug trafficking in the 60s and 70s. And there was not a standalone agency with the 24-7 responsibility for drug enforcement in the state of Oklahoma. We, we had all officers with, with like OSBI or the Attorney General and other departments, and um, there would be two or three officers that were assigned when available uh, to do drug uh, enforcement, and, and but there really wasn't a, a 24-7 focus, and there certainly needed to be that in, in response to the tremendous um, tragedy that we were seeing when it came to young lives being lost to, to the drug culture in the 60s and 70s. So our main focus is twofold. One, we enforce the drug laws in the state of Oklahoma. And number two, we by, by working our own investigations, but number two, assisting local police and sheriff's departments who simply do not have the resources to work complex drug investigations when, when they – are aware of people selling drugs in their communities. Mm-hmm. You know, a local police department can't have a, have a guy grow a beard and go undercover because everybody knows who the local police or the sheriff's deputies are. So they need unfamiliar faces that can go in and, and help uh, work these investigations. So so we work our own drug cases, but also support our local law enforcement officials. Um, and over the last uh, 12 years, we've, we've moved into uh, human trafficking as well because we've seen uh, just a, a horrific uh, – 
rise in this insidious crime of human trafficking, these cartels that move weapons, move drugs, start to realize we can make more money moving people. Mm-hmm. because people never run out. Drugs will run out. They'll have to move more drugs across the border with people. They can be used over and over. They're seen as a commodity. And we would be up in an investigation dealing with a drug cartel, and suddenly we undercover, uncover information of human trafficking, and we didn't have jurisdiction to deal with it. So we literally could not enforce those laws. So we went with the, to the legislature in 2011 and said, look, the, the same people that are moving drugs are moving people. We need jurisdiction over human trafficking. And so mm-hmm. uh, we received that from the legislature. Legislature now have a full-time human trafficking unit. Uh, to, so those are the two main crimes that, that our agency oversees: is the drug enforcement and human trafficking. With the uh, with the uh, passage of the state question a few years ago regarding medical marijuana, suddenly uh, that brought a whole new, uh, I guess, wrinkle to the whole con- con- concept of enforcement and the interaction uh, with especially rural Oklahoma. It seems that the grow house uh, situation has just exploded uh, in the state. A lot of problems out there, and your agency's right in the middle of it. Right. And, and you know, we were kind of written out of, of state question 788. They said this is a health issue. And and so we stayed in our lane. And, and, and for the first two years, 2018, 2019, when it first passed and was being implemented, we, we would see a few people uh, who were in violation of some of our agency's security rules. That was pretty much our only lane with with marijuana businesses is you had to have certain security features in place to guard against theft and diversion, just like a a hospital, a pharmacy, or any any other uh, business that has controlled substances. And we would have some people that didn't have their fence in, 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 you know, just minor stuff. We would work with them. The real problem started really during the pandemic, Uh, specifically uh, about the fall of 2020 is when we started to see an influx of out-of-state people getting involved in marijuana, and mm-hmm. people, these many of these people were tied to groups that were associated with criminal organizations, whether that's from Mexico, China, Russia, and it was because of the pandemic. You know, Oklahoma. You know, first of all, millions of people lost their jobs. Many of them were undocumented illegals from China, Mexico, and they started getting recruited to places like the West Coast to work marijuana fields. But the West Coast was still locked down because of the pandemic, and Oklahoma was an open state. And so these criminal organizations who were growing black market marijuana using essentially slave labor from these undocumented workers who were desperate for any money they could get um, said, we need to move someplace where we've got freedom to, to operate because this pandemic is even hurting the criminal businesses, let alone legitimate businesses. And so Oklahoma was an open state. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had – the most what 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 others in around the country have described as the most liberal marijuana law in the country. In fact, our partners in California said seven state question seven eighty eight never would have passed in California. It was too liberal. Uh, no restrictions on the size of your property. No no uh, certain types of illnesses. Anybody could get a card. So our law was loose. Our mm-hmm. land is a fraction of what it was in California. So they were right. going to save millions of dollars. Even coming to Oklahoma. And paying some farmer four times what their land is worth in order to buy it, that's still a fraction of what they were paying for their, their grow uh, land in Northern California. Um, and so you had – and cheap licenses. Our licenses were only $3,000 for an OMMA license and 500 for an OBN license. So you're, you're talking about – or 2500 for OMMA. So it's a total of 3000 for your licensing, whereas you might be paying close to 300000 for a large farm in Northern California. So there was just so many things that made Oklahoma attractive to criminals to start moving here during the pandemic. And they started mm-hmm. buying land in rural Oklahoma. Um, oftentimes they would, they would 
have advanced teams kind of look at properties and see who was upside down and suddenly somebody's doing a knock on their door asking if they're interested in selling their land and offering sometimes three four times what it's worth and even a family who's had that that land in their generation four generations of of their family suddenly is seeing this as a financial lifeline so they became willing participants to sell this land to these these criminal groups not knowing they're criminal Mm -hmm. they just know this is somebody who says i want to i want to start a farm and 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 your 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 three hundred thousand dollar property. I'm willing to pay you eight hundred fifty thousand, and suddenly it's a lifeline for that family. Right, and uh, yeah, that's where we really started first hearing about all this this stuff going on in rural Oklahoma. Was that you know somebody wanting to buy twenty five or thirty acres for a ridiculous amount of money, and and uh, a lot of neighbors started really wondering what was going on. Right, and 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 they really didn't know at first mm-hmm. because again, we're talking about the fall of twenty twenty, mm-hmm. um, but that's when these groups started buying. The land, they started clearing some of the land, started purchasing, uh, you know, visqueen lumber, piping, um, and hauling it off to these properties in U haul trucks. But again, the neighbors are still not quite sure what's happening. And then we get through 2021, that January and February, that horrible polar vortex that was two weeks of just the, some of them with brutal cold weather. And we, we get into March, and suddenly these people started going outdoors and they're starting to notice all these visqueen hoop houses. And these houses are all full of these green plants that are two, three feet tall already. So that showed us not only did they start realizing they're moving marijuana and these are marijuana farms that they're just now realizing. But number two, they're moving full, almost full mature plants in these trucks, which is 100 percent illegal. Um, but they were thinking nobody's paying attention and they could they could basically move plants from the West Coast to Oklahoma, finishing them off, mm-hmm. um, trimming them um, and then continuing to, to produce for the black market while hiding in rural Oklahoma looking like just a legitimate Oklahoma medical marijuana farm because we already had so many because even the legitimate businesses uh, and locals who wanted to make a go of it realized there's land, it's cheap, and I can do it. So we already had close to 4,000 farms that were registered in Oklahoma before the criminals even got here. Wow. And then in 2021 and 22, as as more and more criminal organizations started realizing that they could maximize their profits by moving their their businesses to Oklahoma, suddenly we were up to nearly 9,000 registered growth. So it had almost doubled in a year and a half. And, 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 and we have no problem with it if they're going to follow the law. But these people were, were coming here with the sole intent of continuing to produce the marijuana that they were already been producing for decades for the black market all over the U.S. They, they could just save and, and make more money here. But part of the, the law says that 75 percent of your owners have to be somebody who's been in Oklahoma two years, had to be a, a, a local resident. And so you had law firms, other brokers, consultants, whatever they want to call themselves, during 20, uh, 2020 and 21, um, oftentimes recruiting people, mandarins, going to mandarin websites, saying, come to Oklahoma, a lot of money to be made, uh, move your business here, uh, your marijuana business. Um, and so a lot of people, even in the marijuana business, saw this as a, as a great opportunity um, and to get around the 75% owner, these, these same people that recruited him to come to Oklahoma said, don't worry about your 75% owner. We will find somebody to put down on your paper as your owner. Wow. You just bring your 25% ownership here. You pay us a fee. We will get you one or two licenses, $80,000 a piece, whatever they charge. And they started getting people 
locally who would pass a background and say, hey, how would you like to make 2000 or $5,000 a month? What do you have to do? Nothing. Just sign this piece of paper that says you're the 75% owner of a marijuana farm. Well, that's easy money. All you do is go to the mailbox every month and collect a check. So you had these ghost owners that were being recruited locally here in Oklahoma to make mm. money just to say that they're but, – but some of them didn't realize I'm on five farms. Well, I'm on 25 farms. We had one woman who was on 299 farms listed as a 75% owner. She was an employee of one of these law offices. This is a 100% fraudulent business structure. And – but that's how so many people got their license. They would find these people who could pass the background. They look squeaky clean because people said, well, how did you not catch the, all these people tied to these criminal groups? Because these groups are very good at hiding what they do. They've been in the criminal business for decades. Lots of practice. Yes. They know how to hide the money, how to hide the people, how wow. to make everything disappear. And and so and, – uh, and if you start looking at the paperwork that they were submitting to get these licenses – it looked legitimate on the surface. Here's, you know, John Smith from from, you know, Main Street America who just wants to make a go of it as a marijuana. Who's going to question this guy? Well, he doesn't know anything about the farm. He goes to his mailbox and gets a check from a legal firm once a month and doesn't ask questions and he doesn't care because he's been told by these lawyers, oh, this is all legal, you know. And so we that's how so many of these criminals got here. Um, is that it was local people that helped basically pave the way for these criminals to get a license, and wow. they did it all for the sake of money, and uh, and and it's really just been detrimental to our state, especially rural Oklahoma. Talking with Mark Woodward, uh, of course, he's uh, a spokesman for the uh, Bureau of Narcotics here in the state of Oklahoma. We're talking about the rise of uh, medical marijuana grow houses, explosion of grow houses, literally, Mark. And and it seems that uh, we got to that point of everybody starting to say, what in the world is going on? Legislature starting to push back, trying to figure out ways to get their arms around this legislatively. Uh, A mess, I guess you might say. It is. It is. It's a very complex problem because it's more – somebody who's not familiar with what's happening may just say, why are we spending all this time and effort? It's just some – it's just marijuana and it's just some knuckleheads who can't follow the rules. These are criminal organizations tied to violent crimes out of Mexico, out of China, out of Russia. This just happens to be their high-grade marijuana operations that they've moved to our state. But these people are very dangerous. Um, They have been responsible for uh, everything from violent – we've seen homicides here in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are fairly unusual for them to make the papers because rule number one of any criminal organization is don't draw attention to yourself. So this situation in Kingfisher was rather unique when we had a quadruple homicide um, in early winter. The mistake that was made was that this person left a witness, and typically you don't leave a witness. And so we will never know how many people from these farms um, have have suffered the same fate. But nobody's missing them because many of these workers and managers of these farms are are undocumented. They're illegals. Nobody's missing them except their family back home who's counting on some money that they've been sending uh, from time to time. And so when you cross these people that you're working for – um, you 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 can encounter the same violence uh, as any other uh, criminal organization, but people have labeled it. Oh, it's just marijuana. Uh, we've had you know water theft, electrical theft, um, the strains on the water supply in rural Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We've had examples where they've they've hooked up in, uh, these rigs to to fire hydrants and stolen water from the city, from hooking up pumps in into farm ponds and stealing water from adjacent farms. To hooking into electrical grids that with these big mega farms that 
for electrical grids in rural Oklahoma that were not made to sustain this type of activity. Mm-hmm. Um, environmental damage, because these people aren't following any laws, including the environmental laws. They're using pesticides, herbicides, and, and the, the runoff into the creeks and water tables is very concerning about the land. That, uh, that and, and they're clear-cutting a lot of the land, beautiful land that's just being bulldozed for the sake of adding more hoop houses because that maximizes their profits. You've got the smell. You've got the damage to the roads. You've got um, just – there's so many issues. But the biggest thing I think is, is too is, is you've got the labor trafficking and, mm-hmm. and human trafficking, um, even sex trafficking. We've uncovered some prostitution rings that cater to these workers and managers of these farms that are Asian, that are specifically tied to these Asian workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've rescued a couple of, of women uh, in two different occasions that were tied to, to sex trafficking. But as far as the labor trafficking, many of these people, unfortunately, are so afraid to speak up. They're told, you grow marijuana, you load trucks, and don't ask questions. And they're illegal, many of them undocumented, so they can't complain to the police, and they're desperate for the work. And so when we try to offer some of these workers help, when we go shut down a farm, Many of them will say through interpreters that I'm happy, and and they don't want to, so they don't want to upset the people that that they are working for, even if they're living in deplorable conditions. Many of them on these farms and, mm-hmm. and hardly getting paid, it's still better than what they had before. And, and through interpreters, we've had them say, "Look, you think this is bad." Because we've had some situations where 26 people are living in a trailer with no running water or electricity, and they're drinking and bathing out of the same water they're watering plants from. Some of them are just in horrible uh, living environments on these farms, but they'll Mm. say that's still an upgrade from what my family's living in back home. And so they're they're happy to have this job. And so um, there's labor trafficking, sex trafficking, certainly the violence. Um, You said that you know some of these these farms are just exploding across Oklahoma. We've literally seen some explode. They're 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 dealing with chemicals. And some of these processing farms that have, have caught fire. Wow. Uh, we've had some explosions, some people severely burned. We've had law enforcement that, that have been in some of these buildings when they caught fire while we're out there trying to work. So, you know, they oftentimes sidestep uh, inspections by the, the city, the county, the fire marshal. And so some of these workers, including our agents who, who may be out there serving a warrant, are, are oftentimes working in very, very dangerous conditions. Um, and certainly any county worker who might be on those properties or trying to work out there, they're potentially in harm's risk when, when in way because of the nature of these criminal groups. And so a lot of people, I think, in places like Oklahoma City and Tulsa don't have a, a, a real grasp on just how bad it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think they know about the situation. But rural Oklahoma is very familiar with the right. problems, and, and they're only getting worse. And so, I mean, you know, saying all that, I mean, the, the, the laundry list of things you've mentioned that are, that are illegal, you haven't even mentioned the fact that these guys are exporting marijuana out of Oklahoma illegally right. to all parts of, of this country, I guess even beyond the U.S. border. Yeah, and it's, a, it's billions with a B that we are not mm. capturing in the state of Oklahoma that is being grown here, processed here, but then is being moved out of state and being sold on the East Coast. But we've even traced it back west. We're even supplying California with their black market marijuana now. Um, and and, and it's, it's millions of dollars that we're not uh, – that we're seeing wired back to Mexico, wired back to – to China through social uh, or mobile banking apps. They know how to make the money disappear. Uh, the cartels from Mexico have partnered in some cases with the Chinese to mm-hmm. use the, the Mexican banks to move the money uh, through these banks back to China, back into the U.S. and look like investment dollars and businesses. And they, 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 these are criminal groups who know how to hide what they're doing and, and make the criminal 
side look legitimate and make the, the money disappear. But we are supplying. We, we have talked to law enforcement on the East Coast who say Oklahoma is and has been the number one supplier of their black market marijuana the last year and a half. Wow. Um, and here's, a, here's another air aspect of it is it's crippling the legitimate market. Um, many of the legitimate growers say I can, I can barely make payroll. The criminals can grow with using, you know, basically human trafficking, desperate workers. They don't have to pay fair wages. They don't have to pay insurance. They can grow for as cheap as $100 a pound, whereas a legitimate business, it might be costing them 800 900 a pound. So they can barely make payroll. But when you're making uh, – growing marijuana for $100 a pound, that cheap, and then that that pound goes for as much as 3500 to 4000 in Flushing, New York – you can see why these groups can't get here fast enough over the last two years. They, they have said we can make so much more in profit by getting out of California, get out of Nevada, get out of New Mexico, and get to Oklahoma because of the land, the licensing, the laws, um, just how much they can maximize the profit and how they can hide. Because, again, when you're talking about nearly 8,000 to 9,000 growers – on the surface, it's just going to look like another grow. People mm-hmm. are frustrated, but it's going to look like another legitimate grow moved in. You're not going to realize that they're criminals. Mm-hmm. And criminals, rule number one is don't draw attention to yourself. So they're going to get their fence up. They're going to look like the poster child for doing everything right when you go out and inspect them. But then 100% of their profits go into the East Coast in the middle of the night and, and millions of dollars weekly being laundered to these criminal groups right. to support their, their all of their, their organization. And so it, it's very concerning what we're seeing in rural Oklahoma. Now, now the Bureau, obviously, is working with OMMA, uh, cooperating with uh, the Oklahoma Medical Mar- Marijuana Authority uh, to try to, you know, get, get your arms around. You're, you're really the, the agency that has the ability to actually enforce some Correct. of the uh, some of the laws that are in place by, from the legislature that Correct. are administered by uh, by Adria Berry and her 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 uh, uh, agency. Yes, we have a great relationship with OMMA. We work with them uh, on a weekly basis, communicating with them on various cases that that can cross paths. Sometimes there's just more of an oversight and regulatory mission um, that there's specific rules that they the any business has to follow that that falls into their lane but oftentimes when when it crosses over to a criminal element now you're not working under uh, a medical marijuana uh, umbrella you're now under the cultivation and criminal side and that's where we, our agency works right. uh, to deal with these and and again for the first two years we didn't have much to do most of these were small violations regarding our rules of security and fencing and things like that it wasn't until around the the, the fall of 20 during the middle of the pandemic that we started seeing these criminal groups here um, and we started tracing them to known violent criminal organizations but mm-hmm. they're hiding behind this mar- this uh, license that they re- obtained by fraud and and looking like a legitimate business on the surface, and so they knew how to hide in rural Oklahoma, hiding in plain sight. And and you know, people say, well, "Why don't you just you know monitor these farms and follow these trucks?" They are very good at what they do. They know when somebody's following them, and we've told people when they're calling us saying, "Hey, I'm following this U-Haul. It just left this place with a bunch of plants." It could be a legitimate load that's going to go to a processor and there's nothing criminal. If it is criminal, they know you're following them. They're going to run you out of gas, and they're still not going to do anything that you're going to catch you uh, because you're not going to catch them leaving the state with it. They're very good with it. So they they need to leave that to law enforcement. We have the ability um, to investigate and and, and peel back these layers and uncover what they're doing and, and 
to say all that, we've now in the last two years shut down nearly 800 farms in Oklahoma. Mm. We've arrested more than 200 people tied to these criminal organizations that are operating these farms. We've had uh, over 600,000 pounds of marijuana seized from these places. We've also shut down human trafficking and labor trafficking and ketamine. They're smuggling other drugs because ketamine is a big drug over in, in China right now, and they're they're smuggling ketamine into the U.S. at a record mm-hmm. rate because it is is appeal, appealing to their culture. Right. We've seized a ton of ketamine in rural Oklahoma, but we've also uh, identified and we've had two multi-county grand juries indict people who have created these fraudulent business structures. And we've identified close to 3,000 farms that are operating right now that we've now identified as operating with a license obtained by fraud. So these are being investigated, and those are not going to be renewed. I say all that to say this. There's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. Things are getting better, not worse, because we've identified these schemes that they've used to get a license. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have some of them trying, and we're catching them. And not only are we going to shut those farms down, we're going to go after these Oklahoma businesses that are helping get these fraudulent licenses. But to, but it's different than it was four years ago and, and even two years ago when we were kind of green stamping every license. If they, if they passed the background and paid their money, you got a license, even if you didn't even have a farm yet. Now, any new applicant, you've got to show business plans. You've got to show a certificate of occupancy from the fire marshal. We are making them provide now proof up front rather than waiting, giving them a license, waiting for them to break the law and then having to clean the mess up on the back end like mm-hmm. we've been doing for two years. We're now requiring this on the front end so that we know who, who is applying for a license, who these people truly are. You're going to have to list your owners, your 75 percent. You're going to have to list your, your 25 percent, and then we're going to vet every one of them. Uh, now, don't we have a moratorium as far as new We, we new do. OMMA um, is not issuing any new licenses, and, right. and you have to have your OMMA license first, and if you get your OMMA license, then you can apply for your OBN license, ah, which is okay. a little bit different because our license is, is strictly covering the uh, the security. Ninety nine percent of what you've got to do is an OMMA rule that you have to follow. But we've got a small section in the laws that, that talks about the security features, and so they do have to have a license from us that gives us the ability to inspect and and make them follow our security rules. Um, but most of the criminals do. Like I said, they're on the surface. They're going to look like the poster child for doing it right. It's, it's the criminal side that they're they're good at hiding that also has us involved in that. But we do work very closely with OMMA so that we can uh, communicate about when when we've got the, the same farms under investigation and maybe they've taken emergency action on a farm. Um, we also work very closely with our police and sheriff. We could not do this without the local police and sheriff. When we're out serving a warrant on a farm, you know, it can be 110 degrees. There may be, you know, three, four, five acres of marijuana and you're having to cut maybe 60,000 plants and haul them off of there. We've had the county step up. The county commissioners have been great about providing uh, dump trucks, uh, you know, front-end loaders, uh, a county facility where we can where they've dug a hole that we can destroy the plants. So um, between working with OMMA, working with our local police and sheriffs, our county partners, um, that is how we've been able to uh, accomplish what we have. Uh, but there's still a long way to go. As I said, there's close to 3,000 farms that we're investigating that are tied to criminal organizations that, that we're going to be dealing with. This, this sounds like a tremendous uh, load it is. On, I on the Bureau. I mean, it, you got other, you got a lot of other things you're doing as well. But right. I mean, but this is a big part of what, of what you've kind of ended up having to do. It, it is. Like. It is. You know, we've got bigger threats that we need to be dealing with. Meth is still our number one killer. Methamphetamine, when you look every year, um, going back to the early 2000s and late 1990s, meth is 
has been our number one killer when you look at the single drug that's showing up in more autopsy reports. Mm -hmm. Yes, meth labs are down, and that's great, but meth is still just pouring in here from Mexico, and we need to be dealing with that. Fentanyl is a tremendous threat. Fentanyl is now um, this counterfeit synthetic fent- fentanyl that's being pushed in, 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 into the United States by the drug cartels is, is killing Oklahomans at the fastest rate of any other drug. There's so many other threats we need to be able dealing with, and we were able to do that for the first two years of legalization. But now, again, going back to the 2000, the last two years, we've had to pull people off of other cases like fentanyl and meth to go deal with if we didn't have a full-time focus. Now, our legislature has made a commitment to us that they're going to f- help us fund uh, full-time units. So we've hired additional agents okay. um, with with the, the, the promise, and, and, and we believe that this is going to happen, that the legislature is going to continue this commitment to fund these full-time units so that we, we don't have to pull agents off of another case to go work a marijuana investigation. We will have full-time marijuana teams in Oklahoma City, southeast Oklahoma, and northeast Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, we need to focus also on Western Oklahoma, and then that's our next hope is to get additional funding from mm-hmm. our legislature um, because the, the, the problem is just as bad in Western Oklahoma as it is in, in Eastern Oklahoma. There's no part of the state that's not impacted by these criminal organizations that are absolutely destroying the, the wonderful life and, and the, 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 you know, the, the prosperity and, and this, the, the, the beauty of, of our state, and, and they're doing it as much in Western Oklahoma as they are in Eastern Oklahoma. Let's kind of wrap up and talk a little bit about, you know, interaction with these folks in in rural Oklahoma. They they see something that, you know, obviously they need to contact someone. They contact you guys. They contact OMMA. Who do they they talk to when they see and and they have concerns? Uh, and they maybe fear for their lives. Yeah, there's, you know, certainly there's 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 farms that that are going to be criminal in nature, and we we would want to hear about those. And they can contact the Bureau of Narcotics. They can call us. They can go on Facebook and send us a a, a, a direct message, which is private, um, or they can send us an email and remain anonymous. But many of the investigations that we have um, started because somebody in rural Oklahoma called and said, "Here here's a farm. I'd like you to take a look at it." And we start looking at it and realize. Hey, that farm, that owner there is already tied to 31 other farms that we're investigating. And so, yeah, sometimes this information is very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. But I will warn people that it, it, these are very complex. Don't expect them to make a call and within two hours, you know, we're shutting that farm down. We've, we've got to prove that they're criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to do that by just walking onto the property inspecting it because they're going to look legitimate. They know how to make uh, things look you know, squeaky clean on the surface. That's why they've been in business. So we've got to show that they're criminal. And those are very complex investigations. And they take time because we don't want to just shut that farm down. If we shut that farm down, these criminals will replace those workers and those plants within 48 hours. We've made no difference whatsoever. We've got to get the people who are running these farms. And oftentimes they're in places like Los Angeles. They're in Flushing, New York. They're in China and Mexico. It's much like a drug cartel. You don't just arrest one meth dealer in, in Enid and pat yourself on the back and saying we've solved Enid's meth problems because that dealer is going to be replaced by another dealer in the streets of Enid or Kingfisher or Woodward uh, w- within a couple of hours. Yeah. 
But if you can get the guy who's supplying those dealers with the pounds of meth or cocaine in Woodward and in Kingfisher and in, and and Enid and re- remove him and then get his source that may be a source down in El Paso who's getting it from a source out of Phoenix who's getting it across the border, you can cripple an organization. And that's what we're doing with the marijuana uh, farms. They're oftentimes tied to criminal organizations, and many of these organizations have 40 to 400 farms they're operating. And if you can unplug that entire organization – which was what we're doing. Uh, we've we've identified one that had two hundred ninety nine farms, and, wow. and we've unplugged that entire group essentially because of, of how we're working. But it does take time, so that's why I, people may say, "Hey, I've called the Bureau of Narcotics. Nobody's doing anything about that farm. Still been operating for six months." When people do call us, we usually look at it and we will see that it's already on our radar. But we can't always share that to the person who's calling or emailing because it's sensitive to our operations. But um, I will tell you that the majority of the tips we get, it's about a farm that we are already investigating. And we're investigating more specifically the people who are behind that farm, moving the plants, moving the workers, and laundering the money. The farm itself is almost secondary because that's just one of many things that they're involved in, and, mm-hmm. and we've got to shut down the whole group. So, we, And we are grateful for the support. The, the public, you know, we just had a, a referendum. The public uh, spoke. All 77 counties voted down recreational. Um, and so the, the, obviously there, there's a lot of people who um, – you know, are are needing uh, something to be done about the, this problem because they, they've recognized it. That's a lot of the feedback we're getting is that this is this is not good for Oklahoma. Of course, rural Oklahoma, uh, the folks that have seen a lot of these problems you've mentioned firsthand, they 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 spoke pretty loudly. They did, they did, and 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 yeah, many of them were just landslides, and it's because they've seen the damage that it's causing. It's it's raising the taxes when you're paying eight hundred thousand for a two hundred thousand dollar piece of property. It, these mega farms using the water it's it's raising everybody's water rates it's causing a water crisis in some parts of oklahoma i've talked to some of our rural water districts who said we came very close a couple of septembers and august to having to shut down all water to farms except for the residential property part of the farm because they just didn't have enough water we've been very fortunate to get just enough rain to not have to to get those drastic measures but it's these these marijuana plants each one takes about a gallon of water a day and that can be and some of them have 60,000 plants and and some of these farms are just not set up for it. So they're they're drilling wells. They're and, and again we're we're concerned about the the runoff into these wells. And and, and there's just so many issues that in rural Oklahoma that people mm-hmm. said I'm I'm tired of. And, and and people may ask about when you shut down these farms, are you, can you seize the property and auction it so we can get our our land back? That is absolutely the goal. Why that has not happened is because sometimes we shut a farm down, but it's still tied to an ongoing case. And so we're, we're not ignoring those farms. Um, sometimes the farm is leased, and so we don't want to hurt innocent owners um, who knew nothing about the criminal activity. And so oftentimes we, we shut the farm down, we seize the plants, but we don't seize the land because there was an innocent party. If we can prove that that party knew what was going on and they permitted it, uh, then they're going to be culpable. But we do hope to get some of the land back, and, and we have filed asset forfeiture uh, on a lot of these properties. Okay. But uh, – we're hopeful that these properties are in good enough shape that we people will want them back and the environmental damage is not too bad. Right. 
Mark, appreciate your time today. Fascinating. Uh, it, it's a hor- it's horrifying to a lot of folks that are having to live with uh, neighbors like this across the state. I Absolutely. know that I, we really, really feel for them, and and uh, but but are grateful that uh, there's there's some response going on. Yes, we do see some light at the end of that tunnel. But just you know, be patient. It's never going to go away, but it's getting better than it was two years ago. Absolutely. Okay. Mark Woodward with us today. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Mark, the spokesman for the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics. Talking about the challenges of these grow houses, grow farms for medical marijuana in the state of Oklahoma. With the Bureau of Narcotics that Mark represents, along with the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority, there's hope that uh, things will indeed be better in the days, the weeks, the months, the years to come. That is our time today for this edition of the Road to Rural Prosperity. We'll see you soon down the road.